preparing to become a priest, I'm from the Diocese of Los Angeles, and I went to seminary in New York, then I had to come back to Los Angeles for a meeting with the bishop, for an interview with the bishop, it's terrifying. And I came back um, pretty scared and um, went to Mrs. Wiley's office, and Mrs. Wiley was the woman in the Diocese of Los Angeles whose office was right outside of the bishop's office for I think 50 years, so many bishops right, had come through. Mrs. Wiley was the institutional character. And she was um, waiting for me, and I'm guessing this is a setup and they did it to everybody, but I didn't think so at the time. She looked at me and said, oh, Winnie, it's so good to see you. Can you tell me, is the rapture in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. I know, Sue, right? And the bishop's door was right behind hers. Um, and I knew the answer wasn't no, but I also know we don't really teach that in the Episcopal Church. But if I said yes, I'd probably have to know where. So I froze trying to figure out how to answer that question and hopefully still become a priest at the end of all of it. Um, and then the, can the person who was in charge of all the ordinance walked by and joined the conversation about whether the rapture can be found in the Bible. And I didn't have an answer. And the bishop opened the door with his Bible open to 1 Thessalonians 4 and read this passage out loud. I hope they planned it, because if not, um, I, I'm not sharp enough to be a priest in the Diocese of Los Angeles. The rapture, that's what you're reading about. And the rapture, of course, there's a more evangelical version of this, which is that at any moment, you might find just shoes and socks sitting in this church, because we've all gone up to heaven, the, some of us, not all of us, right? You've heard that version. But really, what they're talking about is, when does the balance of God's justice work out? Life is a mess. When do we get the good and the bad right? right? When do we get the kingdom of God? And we have these beautiful readings that at some point God just gets in and says, enough, enough. The dead in Christ, all of us, all of it just balance. Right? And then you get Matthew 25 for another version of that is what is the kingdom of God like? So about 10, 10 years ago or so, my mother's mother died, my grandmother died, and we were there, we were in India, and there's a vigil in the Orthodox Church that she's from that is kept between a death and a burial, with the idea that you bury as quickly as you can, but until you have the funeral and the burial from which you are processed out of your house to the church, um, the, the family keeps a vigil. And it's a, it's a beautiful vigil. There, you take a very simple bed and put it in the middle of the house, the center of the house, put a table behind it, put a big cross. The church will bring one of those big crosses and you put it there, the church is there. It's kind of a way to say like God has claimed this place and this person and we all stay awake. Um, you read and sing and do other things to stay awake until it's time to bury her with the idea that the soul is still wandering a little bit and you want the soul to know that it's still welcome in its house even though it can't come to its house because it's died but it hasn't been buried yet, right? So it's all a metaphor, it's beautiful. And one of the things you do is you take an oil lamp and you put it on that table or in that center room and you put, it's a kerosene lamp, so you fill it up and you put, um, and it's an old fashioned lamp, so these shallow bowls are there and you put kerosene in them and you put wicks in, strips of cotton. You might, might have seen these you know, camping or a long time ago, very, very long time ago. And they, they hang off the edge and you light it and the rest of the wick is in the oil, and you've got to pull it every once in a while because the wick gets to the end and it'll go out or it'll start a little fire. And so you've got to keep, you tend this light. And something like that is what this is describing. It's a very tender, small action of how do you keep the light going, 
right? You pull this thing a little bit and you're tending, tending it so that all the pieces keep working. So watching that that night, one of my grandmother's best friends, like just someone who was dear to her, that she had, she, she said that we would go to her if there was a problem, right? Just a beloved friend of my grandmother and my grandfather was the woman who kept going up to that light at the right time and just pulling it out a little bit, making sure it stayed lit, making sure it was twisted, making sure there was a light. And what a beautiful final act for a friend that the light would stay on until the moment um, that her body was carried from our house. Something that tender and small is happening in today's reading about a light. So the celebration of Diwali is also around this time, and we remember the same thing as we come into this season of all of the stories of light and lamps, is that they're all about very small lights. If there's one thing you remember, very, very small lights. So in Diwali, it's a similar idea that a, same th a dia lamp, a kerosene lamp, a little pot with a little piece of string coming out of it is lit. And if you're in India, everybody's windows got one. If you're in Queens, it's a big uh, Christmas star in the front lawn or you know, up, up on top with all your blown up things. And the idea is that Ram and Sita have done the whole journey. They did it. The great mythic struggle of good and evil is over, thank God, and now they've got to go home. And they've got to walk all the way up India to get home. And the way they do that is all of us light our little lamps so that their path is lit on the journey. Their friends are, are guiding them home. Something like that is happening in our reading today. A simple reminder that we all have some power, the power to light a small light, whatever our light is, and to offer it as a guide for someone else, someone unknown to us maybe, or maybe someone we have always loved. For who knows when someone else needs a little bit of light? Who knows when we are just the right one, maybe the only one? Who knows when our place is just the right place for the next light on the path? This past week, Bobby May shared a story of a few moments in the life of St. Luke's Church in a way that only Bobby can. So these, these are two stories from when the congregation had to decide whether it would stay here or move to where the city seemed to be moving. So first, this building is from 1906. It was a little bit north of the city when it was built. It was kind of ambitious. The city was down there and people were walking, right? So it was, it was a stretch if people were gonna be coming up here. But by the time you get to 1924, not far after that, the city was moving past this spot. And by 1957, it made a lot of sense to consider moving further up Peachtree as the highway right below us now, that downtown connector, was beginning to empty out this neighborhood of the houses on Cortland and the shops on Peachtree. And it's not hard to imagine sitting in this room with probably light like this, not too dissimilar, right? In the evening and having a lively debate about whether or not to stay. I can hear, you can hear people saying, of course, right? Of course, we've got to go where the people are. And you can hear people saying, how could you leave this behind? You're going to tear this down, really? And others, and they weren't wrong, sure that the future is somewhere else if we want to be a neighborhood church, a place that can put a lamp in the window or ring its bells real loud and the community would hear. Well, both times, in 1924 and in, 1957, in 1950s, both times the church decided to stay in this place. I guess, obviously, you know how it ends, right? But it didn't just stay. It decided to invest right here. It's an interesting outcome, right? In 1924, everything behind here, 
the parish building, all this got built, all of it. In 1957, Bud Hall, so everything over that way. This co congregation decided not just, didn't just barely decide to stay, didn't have it out and vote 51 to 49%, but decided to stake its claim here, very improbably, a conversation that had within it, should we leave, somehow concluded with, oh, let's just invest a million dollars and all our time and effort for the next few years, right? And later, it means buying that lot and acquiring that lot, investing in being in a community and being a community right here downtown, where downtown and midtown meet. Now, the gospel reading we heard today is the beginning of Matthew 25. And we've been hearing about the kingdom of God, and it's one of my favorites, what is the kingdom of God like? And it says here, it is unexpected. It might not be what others tell you to expect. The kingdom of God is like the people you ask for help telling you to help yourself, is what that seemed to say, something like that. Doesn't that sound like what we just heard? And you losing your place in the great story. Or are you the prepared one? Is the kingdom of God, of God you rushing to the table because you've been ready, you're always ready? Or is it that the kingdom of God is like not being ready, not wanting to be ready, maybe not believing there's anything to get ready for, but then actually very much wanting to be in the great procession and not being welcome anymore by the one who's preparing you disdained? The kingdom of God is like being stunned that the promises of God are true. If you keep reading Matthew 25, you will find that it then says that the kingdom of God is of a God who is known in the imprisoned, the hungry, the unclothed, recognizing the one who helped them in this life, who did not make peace with the world that sacrificed them. The kingdom of God is to be sought and desired. It is more true than the ways this world tell you must, it must be. The kingdom of God is like having your lamp ready and waiting, burning, wasting, believing. In 1924, the deliberations of St. Luke's annual meeting made the newspaper, it was in the AJC, which is what Bobby sent us, where it was reported that the parish would be meeting in the evening at 6 p.m. and would probably be knocking down this building to move somewhere north. The kingdom of God is like a journalist writing what seemed inevitable and practical, maybe a scoop, and a parish deciding to build an office and classroom buildings to stay three improbable stories on Cortland Street. The kingdom of God is like a community trying to make sense of its history and find the lessons for its future in God's service. Our 2024 annual meeting will include an update on the claim that we stake in this time, downtown. We will very shortly get to move forward on our backyard project, and I know many of you are very excited about that. Your vestry will review it this month, and we get to once again stake our claim here this time making a series of outdoor rooms that we learned we needed in the last few years. Beautiful outdoor spaces, reclaiming the green and trees of this corner of downtown, staking our own claim that they will stay green while we're here, and maybe even wild in some parts. Telling the story of who has lived here over the centuries and what has happened here and near here, before the highway was built and what we dream of for our futures together here. The bridegroom is coming, we are promised. It is the image we get throughout the Gospels for Jesus coming among us, and it is like a banquet, we read. In the Gospels, it is literally a banquet, a feast. He eats and drinks and shares and tells stories and laughs and probably dances. 
the kingdom of God is like a banquet. But the people waiting for it got on each other's nerves or didn't know one another or were divided by a highway. Some didn't plan and some didn't share. The kingdom of God is better than when we throw a party or plan a meal or go on retreat. Nadia Boltz-Weber writes that, you know, if that bridegroom arrived in the dark, there must have been a lot of light because how did they know he was coming? Did they even need that oil or their lamps? The kingdom of God is like taking these stories and applying them to your worst instincts and habits and insecurities. Could a neighbor with a well-lit lamp in the driveway, a perfect family, and with every credential you think you should have, convince you just by their existing that you are not enough, so effectively that you would not even go to the celebration you are invited to? Or could that one just living their lives next to you, lamp so very well-oiled, bring down upon you the weight of how we know the world judges or the biases of this world or your hatred of people who bring these things up so effectively while you stare into your own dry lamp that you skulk away raging inside? Or could watching the world at war, a refugee people making another refugee people, genocide producing genocide, devastating and captivating of us in a way that other genocides do not capture our attention? The lamp is cracked, empty, the wick a shard, our hands cut, will light ever come. The kingdom of a God is at hand, friends, and right here, we have been told that no matter what your worst fears tell you, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you have done, you are worthy and deserving, so get ready. For the rough places will be made smooth, the crooked paths plain, the climbing tree will rest at the heart of it, the magnolia roots will break the sewage pipes, a deer and a rat will run through it, a smoker and a barbecue will be rolled in, children will laugh on complicated play structures while the old people rest on benches, some with nowhere else to go. And the word of God will go forth from this place into the next generation in the most unexpected of friendships. Here on this spot on Peachtree, like those people of old, we will serve our God here. And Joshua says to the people, no, don't misspeak. That is a grave promise you are making. And the people say, we will serve our God here. And he asks again, it is difficult. And the people say, we will serve our God here. So let us prepare our hearts pull the wick and pour the oil. The past comes with us to meet the future, a future of justice and hope and love, unimaginable, improbable, ours together, lamps in hand, the bridegroom comes, the table is laid, and it is for you. <laughs>